Good morning, everyone. So over the last few weeks, Webby and Joyce have been discussing uh, the role that marriage plays in making disciples. In marriage, it really is us against the world. And today we're going to be talking about marriage in light of Jesus' example. And specifically what we mean when we say Jesus' example is the way that he modeled humility and selflessness. I read a book once, and they said something like, Marriage is a magnifying glass that reveals our flaws. It reveals the junk in our lives we didn't even know was there. Well, whoever wrote that book was onto something. Being married sometimes magnifies how selfish we can be, or stubborn, or prideful. I would love to have a pretty little picture of myself, but God has magnified some areas in my life where I'm full of selfishness or pride or stubbornness. We are going to share some of that with you today, not because it's easy, but because it's important to share who we are and be honest with God and be honest with each other. That's how we grow our big giant family. So let's bust out those magnifying glasses. Okay, so believe it or not, I like to be in control. I like a plan. I like predictability. And that's really easy when you're flying solo. It's really easy when you're single. But when you get married, it's a completely different ball game. So I'll give you an example. A few years back, we went on a cruise together. And when we go on cruises, when I go on cruises, uh, I prefer to stay on the boat. I don't, I don't need to get off for any reason. I like, I like the controlled environment. Um, I, I don't need to do excursions. I don't need, need to do any sightseeing or anything like that. I don't need henna tattoos. I don't need anybody to braid my hair. Again, believe it or not, um, all that stuff is out of my comfort zone. Amanda, on the other hand, she loves to go on adventures. She loves to be spontaneous. And so we had a long conversation about what we were going to do, and we compromised, and we decided that we were going to go on adventures and be spontaneous. Uh, Again, completely out of my comfort zone, but I ended up having a, a really good time, which is usually the case. But marriage has revealed how much I want to be able to control the environment that I'm in. He does like a plan, and I love to be spontaneous. We are different, which is good. We are almost complete opposites in many ways. It helps us not only be like one color or just like, just it, it brings diversity. Our differences are really beautiful when we appreciate them. When we only focus on our perspective or the way of seeing the world that the way we see it, we experience moments of tension and sometimes anger and sometimes frustration. We've had to work really hard to remember that the point of marriage is not to be happy. You know, marriage is not about making us happy. Marriage is about making us holy. When couples get married, two unique human beings become, become one brand new person. And husbands and wives are co-equals and each bring different strengths and weaknesses into the relationship. Um, and so these, these people, they complement each other. Husbands and wives are supposed to complement each other. This means that in our marriage, we need to embrace humility and we need to be okay with not always getting our way and leaning on the strengths of our partner. 
Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. This passage is great because it shows that we are definitely prone to seeing ourselves in a way that kind of runs contrary to what is true. It runs contrary to reality. And marriage proves this every single day. But in this passage, there's also a challenge to exercise what Paul calls sober judgment in accordance with our faith. Marriage is a proving ground for our faith. We can say that we believe in Jesus, but do we? Because marriage is the most important relationship that exists among humans, wouldn't we expect it to be filled with moments that stretch our faith the most? Wouldn't we expect marriages to be filled with opportunities to forgive like Jesus forgave, to love like Jesus loved, to sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed? These are some of the things that Webby and Joyce talked about last week. Well, our faith was stretched and had plenty of these opportunities right after we became parents. Being a parent was something I wanted to do right. I was fully convinced for some reason with both of our children that Frank needed to hear me, like only I knew what to do. I couldn't listen to him because I was only focused on being heard. When I'm scared or overwhelmed, I get mean. Mean because I'm afraid. When you jump into parenting a 15-year-old all of a sudden, and then you throw a baby in the mix, it was a season that really stretched us. We had to be patient with one another and kind to one another. I'm so glad that Frank was patient with me. Because with parenting, I felt like I needed to be in control. When I felt out of control, I wasn't very nice. Thank you, Jesus, for grace. When God was able to mature us in this and the Holy Spirit brought understanding, we grew together. When we were depending on God, we were able to parent well. When we were able to see each other and hear each other, so much beauty came from that. In parenting and I guess life in general, Frank is more logical and can speak some serious truth. I'm a feeler and I can give all of the emotion. But when we ignore each other and the gifts and perspectives that we bring to the table, things have the potential to get really unhealthy. I can't think that only emotion will solve everything because it doesn't. And he can't think that only logic will solve everything because it doesn't. Like Jesus, we need to be willing to humble ourselves and trust one another. That's exactly right. See, Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. He was warm, and he was inviting with people, but he was also challenging to them. He wouldn't settle for them, you know, slipping back into their bad habits or giving up on getting better. Um, We each bring different gifts to our relationships, and they complement, I think, one another in in our marriage. People need invitation. They, they need people like Amanda in their lives who are warm and hospitable and inviting. 
And people also need challenge. They need people who are going to hold them accountable and continue to point them in the right direction. And our marriages thrive when we are working to fan the flame uh, of the gifts that our spouse has rather than trying to squelch them out or, you know, make them carbon copies or robots of ourselves. Frank really does inspire me to be more challenging, and I need that. I hope I inspire him to be more warm and feeling. (laughs) When we work as a team, we're able to appreciate each other's gifts, and we're able to become the best that we can be. When we view each other as important and work together, our marriage is healthier, and it reflects the heart of God. There's a perfect example of this level of pleasing selflessness found in the book of John. There, John writes this. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So let's be clear. We're going to pause for just one second. Jesus is supreme, and this text kind of proves that, right? It says that, you know, John says that Jesus came from God, he was returning to God, and that God had put in put all things under his authority. So it's obvious that there is no class above Jesus. He is the pinnacle. He's the top of the top. So what would we expect from this example of supreme authority? What would we expect someone who has this level of uh, authority and supremacy? What would we expect from them? Verse 4 says, so he, talking about Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this is crazy, right? I mean, rather than barking orders or pointing fingers, Jesus humbled himself and took the role of a servant. He did this because Jesus is the perfect example of selflessness and humility. He was far less concerned with getting his way than he was serving those that he loved. Jesus was good at serving those he loved. When I lose sight of serving, sometimes I get fixated on myself, my needs, or what I think is most important or what is best. Jesus emptied himself until the moment he died, and as a follower of Jesus, especially married followers of Jesus, we should be ready to empty ourselves and serve our spouses well. True confession. Sometimes I get trapped with the empty. I don't empty myself so much for Frank. I empty myself with like, Bible studies and coffee dates and retreats and girls' nights, all kinds of things. Once my life gets to spinning so fast I can't see anymore, I come to Frank and I tell him it's too much. He's kind and generous and pretty much lets me do what I think I need to do. But when he sees, before I do, when he sees that there's too much and he tries to tell me, I do not listen. The truth is, my decisions do not just affect me, but they affect him too. We all have things we'll trip up on. One of mine happens to be filling my life with good things, lots of things. Um, But I forget, and I get selfish and prideful, thinking all these things are the best, and I forget to be a servant. 
I forget to listen. I forget to be humble. I have to humble myself and listen when Frank brings his perspective to me because it matters. It means something and I would do well to listen. This is God's heart. Be humble, be a servant, and listen to one another so we can hear each other's needs and meet those needs. So when we first got married, I could make things pretty rough. Uh, I remember one day in particular, Amanda came into the family room where I was sitting watching a movie or something, and she said something I didn't particularly like or agree with or whatever, and I responded to her the way that I would have responded to my brother. And my brother and I, we are what are what's considered Irish twins. We're less than a year apart in age, and you know, we can be direct with we, with each other. We can be, um, you know, straightforward with each other. We can call each other names and, and not think a thing about it. We can have knock-down, drag-out fights one minute, and then the next minute completely love and support each other 100%. You may have a similar relationship with, you know, your brother or your sister, but the fact is, like, my wife is not like my brother, right? I, she is sweet, and she is delicate, and she is tender-hearted, and I had to learn the hard way that I could not talk to her the way that I talked to him. I could not, you know, approach her the way that I would approach things with him, or it would ruin our relationship. It ruin our marriage very, very fast. Um, it's not that I ever meant to be harsh or disrespectful. I just had a lot of maturing to do as a man, and particularly as a husband. As a husband, I have to recognize that Amanda needs to feel safe. She needs to feel valued. She needs to feel empowered. This is how love is expressed in a marriage relationship. And I may not always want to expend the energy that it takes to show her love in these ways. And frankly, she may not always deserve to be, you know, to, to receive the, the love that, you know, that, that she needs. But if we are going to view marriage in light of Jesus' example, we need to be prepared to die to ourselves. We need to be prepared to find the energy to show love. And we need to be prepared to extend love to our spouses even when it isn't um, deserved or, or, you know, whatever, even when they haven't earned it, you know. That's what Jesus did for us. And I think Paul echoed this idea perfectly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How was Jesus able to humble himself? How could he serve people that let him down over and over again? How was he able to keep from just giving up? The answer is where Jesus found his strength and his, where his identity was rooted. It can be really easy to hold our spouses to an unfair and unreachable standard. When they fail, it can be even easier to believe that they don't deserve to be valued above ourselves. And when we look to our spouse as the source of our sense of value or self-worth, we're setting ourselves up for some real disappointment. Jesus recognized that his value came from his Father and not from human beings. It didn't come from other people. 
He didn't serve because people were so good. He served because God was so good. And he was able to do so with such humility because of his love for God. When our spouses fall short of the standards we sometimes have for them, it's not the end of the world. We were never serving them because they deserved it. We embrace humility and serve because Jesus did. He never fell short of this standard, and he said it's the best way to live. So as we start to wrap things up for this morning, um, what's some advice that we could offer to couples as they begin to view marriage in light of Jesus' example? Well, in our personal experience, there are moments where we don't see eye to eye and we are not seeing eye to eye. And so just quietly inside of me, I say, oh, Holy Spirit, please make a way where there is no way right now. Please bring understanding where there is none. And it works every time. And it may not work immediately, you know, but he absolutely comes through every time. And like, we might have to agree to disagree, but there's like a genuine love or understanding that was not there that just comes, you know. Um, Another thing that we do is we have a journal that I bought in 2015 or 2016, I don't know, but we write notes back and forth to each other sometimes. And not everybody is going to be a note writer. You know, these are just ideas. Like if that's something that you want to try, it's really helpful because sometimes it's easier to just write a note down than it may be to have a whole conversation about something. Yeah, I would agree. Like the the journal has been a really good way to thrall the frostiness that occasionally crops up in our in our marriage. You also mentioned, you know, praying that the Holy Spirit would um, act on our behalf, and that's that's super valuable. And I would go and just add, like, praying together is also um, very helpful. Um, and the helpful thing about praying together is it can be very humbling, which is kind of the point. You see, like, when you're praying with your spouse, uh, God's goodness has a way of revealing our pettiness and selfishness. So when I'm at odds with Amanda, uh, I'm actually at odds with a child of God. And God has found a way to forgive all of Amanda's sins and, you know, shortcomings. And here I am praying to him, wanting to hold on to my perceived slights or, or whatever. That's super convicting. And when you don't want to pray with your spouse, that's probably like the an indicator like this is the best time to pray with them. Um, so I would echo praying together, and um, I would also add that married followers of Jesus should be quick to forgive each other. Uh, I know that's not rocket science, but the people that we are closest to tend to be the people that we are most likely to take advantage of or um, most likely to take for granted. Um, now, I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm minimizing some of the hurts that people are dealing with. You know, I know that there are a lot of couples out there that are dealing with genuine, genuine 
pain. You know, infidelity hurts. Lies uh, upon lies upon lies. They, they hurt. And I don't want to sound insensitive or like I'm oversimplifying what's going on in anybody's life. I, I really don't. I just I want us to understand that if we're going to view marriage in light of Jesus' example, we need to model the humility um, that Jesus did because that's attractive to the, to the world around us. We need to be willing to do the hard work of extending forgiveness uh, to those who sometimes hurt us. So marriage is really beautiful. We get to reflect the heart of Jesus and his bride. What an incredible invitation. I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you be humble. I ask him to help me, and he is helping me. And I ask him over and over because I want to live like Jesus. I'm a work in progress. So is Frank. So are all of us. What a beautiful work of art we all are. God loves us so much. So I just dare you, I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring humility in your marriage and see what happens. It's been really great spending some time with you this morning. I'm going to pray, but if there is something that you need, if you just need somebody to pray with you or you're not sure what your next step in following Jesus might be, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can message us here on Facebook or uh, email us at info at lincolnhillschristian.com. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the idea of marriage. We thank you that you bring two people together with unique gifts and strengths, and you make them into one unbelievable force. Father, we just ask that you will give uh, married Christians the courage to follow Jesus' example, that you'll help us to be humble and selfless, that you'll make us into servants who are constantly looking for ways to outdo one another in kindness, um, not because, you know, not for selfish reasons, God, but, but so that you might receive glory and that we might be more effective at making disciples um, with and through our marriage. We love you so much, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.